Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. What is the function of the commandments to a Christian? Well, perhaps first it would be best to see what it's not. The Apostle Paul in Galatians says it very well. And knowing that a man is not justified out of works of law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, because out of the works of law no flesh will be justified. If the law was not given in order to justify man before God, then why was it given? We'll open up this mysterious box on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. We return to the book of Galatians and the Apostle Paul's struggle to guard the believers from the false ones in their midst that were perverting the truth of the gospel of Christ. Francis Ball is with us again today, and we're glad that you're also with us and hope that you'll stay tuned for the next 30 minutes. Francis, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Galatians 2, 5, and 14 both make reference, Francis, to the truth of the gospel. In the context of these verses, this surely is not talking about truth in the sense of doctrine. What is the background here, and what does the truth of the gospel refer to? Well, I believe the background that the Apostle Paul is dealing with here is that the new believers in the province of Galatia were being frustrated from their simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ And there's an attempt to bring them back under the keeping of the law of Moses, that is, the Ten Commandments. Those who were advocating that these believers must keep the law in order to be saved were not walking in a straightforward way according to the truth of the gospel. We will see in this message that the truth of the gospel does not mean the doctrine or the teaching of the gospel but it means really the reality of the gospel. Many times when the word truth is used in the New Testament, it means the reality. And in this case, it means the reality of the gospel. We must see that the first aspect of the truth of the gospel is that fallen man cannot be justified by works of law. In chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says, knowing that a man is not justified by works of law. This is the fact announced by Paul. Man is fallen and has become flesh. So what can flesh do? It certainly cannot keep God's righteous law. So Paul says further, now that by law no one is justified before God is evident. This is the first aspect of the truth of the gospel. Fallen man could never be justified by keeping the law. Chris, the natural religious thought in fallen man is that he must do something to justify himself. And since God gave the law, we would naturally think that we must keep this law. But this thought is really against the reality of the gospel. Well, Francis, I think that's a very clear presentation of what the law is not in the life of a Christian. Now we need to see what is it. Let's join Witness Lee. The truth of the gospel is that man, the fallen man, 
as a flesh is not justified by works of law. This is a fact. Paul speaks the fact that no man is justified by works of law. You can never get yourself justified by the works of law. The law is not good for you to keep because you don't have the potential to keep the law. You don't have the ability to keep the law. You don't have the possibility. You are fallen and you have become a flesh. A flesh can never keep God's holy law. The law is too holy, far beyond your ability. You cannot keep it. So this is a fact. Paul says, man, our flesh, is not justified by the works of law. From the first day, when God gave the law, God knew that man just doesn't have the ability to keep the law. Yet, God gave the law. Now, what was the purpose that God gave the law? The purpose is to use law as a fold to keep the sheep. Both in Romans and Galatians, the Bible gives us a clear reason why the law was given. The law was given because of transgression. The law was given just to expose where man is and what man is. The way to expose where man is and what man is, the best way to do this is to use God's attributes, to use what God is. The Ten Commandments, if you get into them, you could see they were composed with these four divine attributes. Divine holiness, divine righteousness, divine light, and divine love. So, the law becomes what? God's testimony. The Ten Commandments testify that God is holy, that God is righteous, that God even is the light and is the love. God used such a testimony to expose man. The law functions this way. Law was given for transgression, but to give law for transgression is with a purpose. And purpose to keep God's chosen people. So eventually, law is used by God as a keeper, as a custodian. Just like during the winter time, you see, too much snow, the flock is kept in the fold. Or during a storm time, the flock is kept in the fold. Before Christ came, that was a real winter time. Before Christ came, there was a real storm there. So God used the law to keep his people until Christ came. 
the Judaizers, they were blind. They thought God gave the law for them to keep. They didn't realize the law was given, not for them to keep, but for God to keep his people in a kind of custody. The law is a custodian. The law was used by God not only to expose our transgressions, but also to keep God's people until Christ came. And now Christ came. The law must be over. The law was a dispensational matter. You see, when the dispensational purpose is accomplished, and this must dispensationally over, it should be not be here any longer. It should be over. But the stubborn Judaizers, they didn't realize what was God's purpose to give the law. So, even after Christ came, they would still go back to the law. And this is absolutely against the basic principles of God's economy. Well, Francis, we're back to a point in Galatians, and that is the matter of the law. We've talked before about the dispensation of the law, and now that dispensation is over. This might be a confusing point to some people. Let's talk about the dispensation of the law. It was given not to justify man, but to expose man, to keep man as in a fold, and finally, to be a custodian. What about these points? Well, uh, just to go back a little bit, Chris, I believe that for many struggling religious people, this should be a very big relief to realize that the law was given to the children of Israel not for them to keep, but for it to keep them. I don't think many people have realized that that's the real purpose of the law at that point. The thought presented by Brother Lee here is very helpful. The law was like a fold. When the weather's bad or the night is dark, the sheep need to be in a fold. It need to be under protecting care or in a kind of corral to keep God's people from going wild. As the law functions to expose people, It also keeps them. You know, in their blindness, the Judaizers, like many well-meaning people today, thought that the law was given for them to keep. They did not realize that the law was given to guard God's people. This was made very clear in Galatians 3, verse 23. There it says, But before faith came, we were guarded under law, being shut up unto the faith which was about to be revealed. Then verse 24 goes on to say, So the law has become our child conductor unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Since man could never be justified by the law, this shows us clearly that man is justified by faith in Christ. We have to realize that the law does have a dispensational function. Now that that function has been fulfilled, the law should not remain any longer. But there are some who still promote the law, even after Christ has come. This is very much against the basic principle of God's economy. Well, not only that, Francis, but really, that's the very cause or the purpose for the whole book of Galatians. Paul was struggling against those very ones in that age, and as you have clearly identified, 
there are some that are still devoted to this practice even today. But it really negates the reality of the justification that you spoke of, that of by faith. That's right. And I would hope that many of the listeners may read Galatians again in this fresh light. Well, let's go back to Witness Lee, Francis, then you and I will return again. Under God's New Testament economy, it is altogether not a matter to keep the law, not a matter of the words of law, but by faith in Christ. Man is justified by faith in Christ. By faith in Christ. It simply means a kind of organic union. Organic union by believing. When the word of gospel is preached to you, the proper preaching of the gospel is not to preach a doctrine. It is to preach the Son of God. The Son of God involves a lot. The Son of God is the embodiment of the Father. And the Son of God is fully realized in the Spirit. The proper preaching of the gospel is just to preach such a person. The focus of our preaching must be a living person. We must minister this living person, the son of the living God, to impress people. When we preach the gospel, we must impress people with a living person. In our preaching of the gospel, we must present the most precious one. The more we describe, the more we preach, the more we say something of the preciousness of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, something, the more will be infused to the very being of the listeners. That infusion, after getting into people, will become their faith. And they will appreciate the very person whom you preach. When they have the appreciation, eventually that appreciation turns out to a faith. They appreciate Jesus. They feel so good to have Jesus. Oh, that afternoon, when I was 19 and a half, I never heard a message like that. For years, for years, for years. It's over 10 years. I never heard a message concerning God so precious. After listening to that precious message, my whole heart was captured. Something precious has been infused into my being. I didn't endeavor to believe. I just appreciated. I don't care for the whole world. I must take this God. That is faith. The real experiential definition of faith is just the preciousness of Jesus infused into our being. Spontaneously, you have faith in Jesus. Every believer had the same kind of experience. Appreciation of Jesus. Oh, 
Jesus. Oh, you just love him. You just like him. He's so good to you. You didn't have a way to explain, but you did have this kind of a sensation with you. That is the living faith. Francis, this was a wonderful personal testimony by Witness Lee about his own subjective experience of faith, what faith is and what it isn't. I really wish every person struggling with believing in Christ could hear this word. It's so profound, but so very simple. Francis, I'm interested in hearing your comments on faith, not as something that we have to work up or initiate, but as a response. Uh, Chris, I certainly agree with you about this marvelous testimony that Brother Lee gave concerning his own experience. I feel like many times people have been taught the doctrine of the gospel, but without the presentation of the living person of the Lord Jesus. And then they felt condemned because they couldn't muster up faith. And lots of people have gone away from gospel meetings or gospel preaching under condemnation because they didn't feel like they could muster up the faith to believe. They've been told how sinful they are, that they're in darkness, that they're failures, but they weren't presented in many cases with the real solution, which is the person of the Lord Jesus himself. Now, the preaching of the gospel in that light really infuses something into a person so that that infusion causes a response, a reaction, And that reaction, actually, which was caused by the speaking of Christ into someone, that reaction itself is faith. It's an organic union with God, with Christ, because the person of Christ has been preached as the gospel. You know, that many times is missed by gospel preaching. All the things about man and all of his failures and all of his doom and all his gloom are emphasized, but the real gospel that infuses faith into a person and draws out the response, which can be called faith, is the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Then there's something, just as Brother Lee described his own experience, there's something in you that just calls out, Lord Jesus, I want you. Lord Jesus, I love you. Oh, this genuine experiential faith, this faith is the preciousness of Jesus infused into us. Don't you like this? I do. I like this, Francis. And there's a wonderful application, as you have applied it now, to the matter of salvation, even our first coming to Christ in faith. There's an additional application that affects us each and every day as we continue on in our walk with the Lord. And that's the focus of our last section. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Under God, New Testament economy, man having life, not only having life, but also living by faith. Since that organic union transpired right away, you had life in you. And you begin to live by that faith, which is your appreciation of the precious Jesus. You got justified, you began to have life. And you began to live by this life. At the same time, you became dead. Dead to what? Dead to law. You became dead to law. That you might live to God. You experience proof this. 
right after you have the organic union with Christ, you were dead to everything. You were dead to the world. You were dead to yourself. You were dead to sin. You were dead to everything, including you were dead to the law. Dead to the law means what? Means liberated from all the obligation of the law. You were dead to everything. But you also have the sensation you began to live to God. You didn't have this much knowledge, but you did say this. Lord Jesus, from now on, I don't care for my schooling, I don't care for my world, I don't care for my future, I don't care for my life, I even I don't care for my wife, my children, I don't care for myself. Lord Jesus, I only care for you. Amen. That means you became a dead Amen. to everything that you may live to God. Amen. This is the biblical way to express it, and your way to express is that Lord Jesus, I love you. I don't care for the world. I don't care for my future. I don't care for my home, for my family. I don't care for anything. I only care for you. I would say with you, who had never said such a thing? Who believed in the Lord Jesus? I do believe everybody said this. I said this probably 10 times, 20 times. I told the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you are so good. Oh, so good. Everything to me is nothing. From today, I don't care for anything. I only care for you. And this meant what? It meant that you became dead. Even to your wife. You became dead to your children. You became dead to the world. You became dead to Moses, to Elijah. You became dead. Everything beside God that you may live to God. Well, Francis, as we said, here was a really marvelous application of this kind of faith in daily living. Most believers have had this experience, I think. Francis, take us through this sequence again and how our appreciation of Jesus can bring us into the reality of this marvelous verse, Galatians 2.19, I, through the law, have died to the law, that I might live to God. This is marvelous in not only that we have life, but we also live. That's a continuation of this faith that is infused into us. This certainly has a wonderful conclusion to this message. I was inspired just hearing Brother Lee in this message to tell about his own love for the Lord and his desire for nothing else but just to live Christ. He was willing to not be occupied by anything else. And some of his statements here are quite far-reaching. In other words, he didn't care for anything but just the Lord Jesus whom he'd come to love. The law, for example, was so demanding and so condemning, but the Lord Jesus is so supplying and so justifying just by a response created in us that has worked out such an organic union that fulfills all the law's requirements, not by us, but in us. It makes us dead to the law, dead to everything, and alive unto God, and enables us to live to God. With this kind of life and living, we can say with the Apostle Paul, 
I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. This, Chris, is also a basic aspect of the truth of the gospel. Thank the Lord there was such a man as the Apostle Paul who could speak the things that we need to hear today. And we're having it respoken in the light of this ministry, and we're certainly grateful to the Lord for that. I would like to recommend to our listeners, of course, the printed Life Study message. This whole set of Life Study messages from Galatians is very worthwhile as a resource that any serious believer who is enjoying these broadcasts and loves the Word of God will do well to have such a set of volumes on their bookshelf, and not just to leave them on the shelf, but to get into them day by day as we continue on in our Life Study of Galatians. And we would love to tell you more about it, get information, and get it off to you. That's the main thing. Also, when you call, we'd like to get your comments or questions about the program or things that you've heard. So please call us today. Our toll-free number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send email to us, and our email address is radio at lsm.org. I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you have any questions or would like to find other Christians in your area who also enjoy this ministry, feel free to call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Or you can email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.